Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today we're continuing our topic of training psychology. And I'm going to be sharing with you a story about uh, my own journey with training psychology and how I had to learn to use weightlifting in order to get me better at calisthenics. Morning everyone, in case we haven't met, my name's Rad Burmeister, I'm one of the co-founders of Unity Gym. I'm joined by Richard Lellis behind the mic, one of my business partners, and if we haven't met before, we are Unity Gym and the UMS, the Unified Movement System, where we turn driven people into athletes. If you wanna know how we do that, download one of our free blueprints. There's a description in the link of this video. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to the podcast, it'll be in the description of the podcast. And uh, jump on over to the, our private Facebook group, the UMS Movement Mastermind, where we record these uh, podcasts live. Yeah, we're talking about training psychology this week, all week, and today we thought uh, Yanni's, Yanni's not here for the start of the show today. He's out at a meeting, and we thought we would uh, share a story of mine. Yanni and I have have spent a lot of time in, in thinking about how we can we can relate our own personal stories um we can relay them so that people can hopefully relate to them with their journey and see how they can can learn from them because it is important to us that we don't you know portray ourselves as as people that you know always had what we've got because we certainly weren't we we've come we've overcome a lot of adversity and um you know training psychology was something that took me a a long time to learn when i when i started my training i was uh, very much into martial arts and, and very specialized in martial arts. I was into Kung Fu and traditional Chinese martial arts. Absolutely loved it. Did that for about 13 years before I joined the army. And I got out of the army. We opened Unity Gym shortly after, Yanni, Richard and me. And we, um, I, I pretty quickly realized that I needed to, uh, to shift my focus into something that was more in alignment with what we were doing in our gym. The, you know, my passion with martial arts and with Kung Fu especially definitely wasn't something that was ever going to add uh, much monetary value to our, to our business. And, you know, I, I just recognized that, you know, I, I had to make a choice. I had to decide if I was just going to keep doing martial arts based on my own, uh, you know, joy, what I was wanting to get out of my training or if I was going to, you know, make a conscious effort to steer what I did into something that would add value to our business and to, to more people because, you know, I could uh, hopefully affect more people. So I made the decision back then to start learning uh, gymnastics, strength training and calisthenics, body weight exercises. That seemed like a pretty uh, fun thing to do, something that I could, you know, apply myself with and, you know, I'd always wanted to be able to do things like handstands and muscle ups and stuff like that. So. I, uh, you know, I got started doing some online coaching and, and learning from whoever I could, from, from people that knew more than me. And I was very much, uh, you know, a specialist in, in calisthenics training. And I went along pretty early on in my journey. So this is going back five and a half years now. I, I went along and did a workshop with a guy named Ido Portal, and he really opened my eyes up to... The, the, the main thing I got out of that workshop, um, Movement X, was the, the concept of, of being a generalist rather than being a specialist. And, and I realized that all I'd done was swapped being a specialist in martial arts to being a specialist in, in calisthenics and gymnastic strength training. And in all honesty, in about six months, I wasn't very happy with my progress. I thought I would have made um, more 
uh, I thought I would have gotten better in the time that I'd put in because um, I was, you know, pretty pretty diligent. I was pretty consistent with my training. I was training for about two to three hours a day, five or six days a week. And um, anyway, so what I really got out of that um, that workshop with Ido was the idea that I didn't have to be a specialist in anything. I I could choose to take what I wanted from one thing and and you know bring it into my practice and, uh, and and through that you know we started to develop this balance between strength and flexibility but I was still very much just focusing on calisthenics 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 and um, you know I, I really believed that if I if I just put all my focus into calisthenics training that I would get better at, at calisthenics and it was a, a frustrating journey I, I had I had several injuries along the way. Um, you know, the first thing that happened was that I, I injured my wrist and um, then I got tendinopathy in my forearms. And then eventually the, 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 the injury that really brought me to a grinding halt was uh, I got a slap tear in my right shoulder and a, a torn supraspinatus. And that was that was a game over man kind of an injury for as far as calisthenics go. That, like I just couldn't do anything. And I was forced to to take a really good look at, at what I was doing and, and what my my training psychology was, and and I was always I, because I was so um, I was so goal focused back then, meaning that I had calisthenics goals, milestones that I wanted to achieve, and I had achieved some of them. I I'd, I'd unlocked a, a handstand, a press to handstand, and a muscle up with a with a notable movements that I'd unlocked, and. I, I was, you know, just I was working on a planche, I was working on a front lever and a couple of other skills. And, uh, you know, during my, my planche training, I, you know, I, I had goals for to be able to do X, Y and Z by how long. And I, you know, six weeks into my, my planning or 12 weeks, whenever it was, I, I, I wasn't really objectively that much closer. And, and so I, um, you know, I, I tried to push myself harder. I thought the answer would be push myself harder and I would, uh, I would, I would get there and, and unfortunately for me, I during a training session, I, I, I got a slap tear. It was an acute injury. It happened instantly. On uh, I, fig- I remember the, the f- instant feeling of pain come on and the way that my shoulder kind of dropped during a set of a tuck planche. And, um, and, it, and it really forced me to learn a lot about my body that I didn't know. I've, I've since then learned a lot about injury rehabilitation through working with Phil. I did everything wrong to start with. I basically just took a month off training. I thought that was the solution. But it also forced me to, um, to, to take a, an, a look at my training psychology and this idea around, around you know, being a specialist and, and, and specializing in this area of training versus looking at what I could adopt from other areas of training that would make me better. And, and the things that I, um, there were like Phil did give me some more specific advice and some good strategies for how to overcome a slap tear. But the, the thing that, that kept coming up when I, when I did a lot of research, worked with some practitioners, some specialists was that the main thing you have to do for a slap tear is to build as much muscle and strength in the shoulder joint as possible. The labrum itself um, you know, can only repair so much. And the radiologist uh, that I used, who's actually a member of our gym, he said in a lot of people, uh, a slap tear will, will never actually completely uh, go away after you've had it. it. It'll still show 10 or 20 years later in an MRI. And um, so, so the, the one thing that just kept coming up was get as strong as you can, build as much muscle as you can. 
And so lucky, lucky for me, I had somebody very close to me that knew a hell of a lot more about building muscle and traditional strength training than I did, and that's my brother Yanni. And I, uh, I had to eat some humble pie because I don't like ever admitting that my younger brother knows more than me about anything. But I did have to ask him, what would you do? And of course, I'm a, I'm a trainer myself. I'm a coach myself. So it's not like I was going back to the drawing board here. It, 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 was, more, um, it was more understanding about uh, programming for, for muscle building, for building up weak links in the body. I'd never done that before. I'd never, ever done any kind of weightlifting that was designed to you know, basically hypertrophy muscle to build muscle. I, 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 I just never was interested in that. And so Yanni, um, Yanni helped me come up with a strategy with a with a basic plan for it, and uh, and I just you know dug my heels in and I did that for um, for twelve months or so, and I built a lot of muscle. Um, nothing like what a bodybuilder would build, uh, but I did noticeably build muscle in my upper body, and it it's allowed me to come out of that injury. Um, much stronger than when I went into it and much more capable. And, you know, the, the moral of the story is that your training psychology, for tr as, far as, as far as the exercise selection that you do, it plays a really big role in it. And often people feel that they, they want to reject a, a certain aspect of training, like um, without understanding how much of a critical role it plays in in body performance. Like, you know, even recently we had one of the um, uh, country's best marathon runners come in, um, Tom, what was his last name? DeCanto. DeCanto, who's a, who's a friend of Phil's, who's a, a podiatrist. Um, and he's recently uh, come to Phil asking for advice on, on weights training, on resistance training, because he's getting injuries from his specialization in marathon running. He doesn't have... Uh, enough strength in his body uh, and he's and he's come up you know against some hurdles so you know the moral of the story is it's it's this um, uh, that I really do believe that if, if you are specializing in anything physical and and you're not at, in the very least you're not doing strength training and flexibility training at least just a couple of times a week then I, I believe that you're going to run into problems and I think that um, hopefully if, if you learn anything from this story, you can learn that that you don't have to. You can learn from people like my mistakes and you can, um, yeah, you can be smarter. There's a smarter way to do things. There's a better way to train. I think the moral of the story is that if you're specializing in something, at some point in your journey, you're going to, the right thing to do is going to be something that you don't enjoy doing. Mm. That's not obviously in alignment with your goals or the journey that you thought the path you thought you were going to take to get to your goals uh, and uh, whether that's to have to stop doing fancy calisthenics movements in your workouts to build some raw strength to overcome structural um, imbalances in the body or whether that is to change a routine or diet habit you know you're gonna have to do something at some point that is something that you don't enjoy and uh, or, or that isn't the thing that you thought you were going to be doing and that's going to be the best option for you and at that point in time you know where where this is really important is that you have you you, you cultivate a certain mindset with your training where you're open to that possibility where you're open to taking on some advice from someone who you may not have thought 
you were going to have to. In your case, it was me, you know, uh, and, uh, and, and in my case, it's been many people and many times I've had to take advice from you. Uh, and, and, you know, I didn't think that that was going to be the way, the path I'd need to take, but it, it is. And we're very lucky because we, uh, myself, you, Richard, Phil, Nilesh, we all are working together constantly and we all have different backgrounds and different education and uh, different experience in different areas and we're constantly feeding off each other you know constantly we're all learning off each other constantly and mm -hmm. we're very very fortunate to have built that in a circle um but a lot of people yeah they go really really far down a certain pathway uh, and, and by the time they decide okay maybe i'm not doing it right maybe there is a better way to train it's too late they've really caused themselves a lot of harm yeah. you know and and it's the like the the ego the psychology that gets them there you know they just don't understand that okay i need to sort of stop and take a look at this and maybe ask for some help you know yeah get, and get i a think different it, opinion I, I think it's human nature right like i think I, I think it's human nature that we just push things to the to the brink you know before we take a step back you can see examples of that in so many areas and there's some people that that don't do that of course but i am not one of those people <laughs> well, you've got two ends of the spectrum you've got the hypochondriac on one end who stubs their toe and is off to the hospital and then you've got the person who literally has to lose a limb before they'll go to a doctor yeah. you know or or um you know get really ill before they do anything about their health and unfortunately you know, a lot of people that I, uh, I've met in my lifetime sit on that end of the spectrum where you just, you know, like you, you're kind of like, man, you know, have you noticed that you've gained 40 kilos? Like, yeah. do you think it might be a good idea to stop eating and start yeah. exercising? Or on the other flip side, you got the dude who's just so hell bent on getting a, a one, a 1000 kilogram total score in powerlifting and all they're doing we've had so many of them in our gym because we used to have a big powerlifting um culture in our gym crossfit are the same any sports the same they go out this what tom decanto with his running you know mm -hmm. uh they you sack you make huge sacrifices to specialize in a sport and um and you're beating yourself up and i keep remem remembering that member of our gym I, i'm not naming any names who you know initially when he started and i've met so many powerlifters like this where when i after a while you notice that all they do is one of the three movements when they come to the gym and when you say oh you know what uh, how come you don't bench or how come you don't squat if they're just deadlift oh yeah i used to have a, a, you know a 400 kilo squat but i can't squat anymore because i totally destroyed the labrum in my hip mm. or you know i used to have a 240 kilo bench press you know 400 pound bench press but I can't bench anymore because I've totally destroyed my rotator cuffs, you know, and, <laughs> and, now, and now they're just deadlifting or they're just doing, you know, we had this one guy who could only bench because he couldn't squat or deadlift anymore. He used to limp around. He was like not even 30 and he used to limp around like an, a 95 year old war veteran who'd had half of his foot removed and, uh, and, he, and he was like 28. And, mm. and he was in the gym and you're like, what are you limping around? Oh, my back's so stuffed, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, mm. why don't you do something about it? You mm. know, I, oh, had a I couple don't have time. I want to get better at bench press. And I had a couple of conversations with him as well. I remember saying to him, why don't you try like doing a little bit of this, that and the other? And he just looked at me and went, mm, mm, I don't, don't want to. 
I just want to get better at bench. He was just on this quest. And I actually convinced him to do some horizontal rowing uh, just to help offset the amount of bench yeah, yeah. he was doing. And he, and he came to me after three months and said, man, my bench has increased. And I'm like, no shit. You know the, you know the funniest <laughs> you thing? You a bit of balance. I remember, wa- I remember <laughs> watching him because he, he used to train with a couple of other guys that were powerlifters as well, but they weren't as beat up as he was. And um, they always... God, it was such a pissing contest between those guys. They were that they, they, you could always hear them during their training sessions boasting about what they could do. <laughs> Whenever any of them called Sam out on not being able to um, on not being able to squat, it was um, oh yeah, but I'll, I'll beat you in a bench any day. And I remember just thinking, <laughs> oh, good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah. You can beat anybody in a bench. You know, it's funny talking about the hypochondriac versus the the person on the other end of the spectrum. Richie, do you remember that corporal when we were in um, infantry training, um, Ando, Angry Ando? Mm-hmm. There was this corporal who was, and in the military, there are some, some dudes are some serious hard asses. And it's because there's this culture, you know, where if you're not a hard ass, you're, you're a pussy or whatever. And um, this, this guy, um, we weren't there, it was before we were in, but we got told the story by some other corporals, not by him. He got dengue fever and he didn't get diagnosed until seven months later when he'd lost 20 kilos and his skin was going yellow. <laughs> Dengue fever yeah, it's horrible. is like, mala- it's up yeah. there with malaria. Yeah. It kills people, yeah. man. Yeah. And he finally, he'd lost 20 kilos. He was fevering all the time. His skin was going yellow and they made him go to the RAP and they tested him and he had Dengue fever. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, look, I mean, and this is the thing. Egos are really, really useful. Uh, they're what drive us and watch um, and and what push us to challenge ourselves. But they can also be at our detriment if you don't if you if the, if you just let them go out of control. And in the gym, it's really important that you understand when you're making you you learn how to identify when you're making choices based on your ego, uh, because it really um, doesn't allow a lot of room for learning and growth. And you can cause yourself a lot of harm in the gym, you know. I mean, you can cause yourself a lot of harm in any situation, but uh, this is one where you really need to go, uh, okay, is this, is this a decision I'm making based on my ego or is this a decision I'm making based on my intellect, you know. And, and uh, generally, intellectual decisions are going to be of higher caliber than ego decisions, especially when it comes to choosing what you do when you work out. And this is one of the great benefits the great benefits to employing a coach, you know, because a coach is going to slice through that ego within an instant and pull you back down to earth and go, no, this is what you're going to do because this is what you need, you know, and and uh, and I, that's the, the thing I get most out of. I mean, we, you and I both have huge egos, you know. Mm-hmm. If we didn't have employ coaches throughout our life to help channel us I'd and, be no, and, you I, know, wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten anywhere and I think for me the thing the biggest thing that a good coach does is it removes the shroud of um, confusion because when I haven't had a coach especially with this calisthenics well journey, unless you don't trust them of course yeah. <laughs> of course but that's but that's why I say a good coach should be able to demonstrate what they're teaching you or they should be able to show you their multiple students that can do what they're trying to teach you that they've taught how to do. Yeah. And a lot of coaches aren't, or a lot of people are employing coaches that, that uh, don't fit into that category. Yep. It's like the, the weight loss coach or the personal trainer that's 30 pounds overweight themselves. Yep. I mean, I, I get that there might be some exceptions to the story, but you know, I would never employ a financial expert that um, isn't wealthy themselves. 
and I wouldn't employ a business coach, a business mentor that hasn't ever run a successful, successful business. business. That's exactly right. Now, we, you know, on this, uh, I, you know, we, we did a show yesterday where we highlighted a question from a, um, a, a girl in our uh, Movement Mastermind group who's doing, uh, and I'm assuming she's purchased the Foundations program as a standalone because she's not asking this question in the online coaching group. Yes, yeah, she must have. Uh, so she must have. And, you know, she she was talking about feeling like she wasn't um, hitting her glutes enough. Uh, and, and in fact, the, the Foundations program we made clear yesterday is a very, very glute-specific program. Uh, you know, not glute she, specific, glute dominant. Glute it's dominant. A, it is a yeah, glute yeah, dominant. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the areas the that we body. really like to bulletproof. You know, and she's commented after the, off the back of that, really acknowledging uh, what we're talking about here. You know, she says, "Thank you so much, Yani and Rad, uh, for thoroughly answering my question. You guys are seriously the best." The examples you gave and everything that was mentioned was extremely helpful. I think I'm getting ahead of myself and getting excited to continue and start on the next phase with you guys. But I know I need to be more patient. And as you said, trust the process. I look forward to all that Unity has, uh, Unity Gym has in store for me. Uh, and I know that I'm not, like, I'm not trying to yank our chain there, but I'm just trying to make it clear that this is the beauty of employing a coach. To, they, they guide you when you are, you know, you're making decisions based on your ego yeah. and, uh, and they eliminate that because it, it really can bum steer you, you know, uh, pardon the pum, um, mm -hmm. on this one, you know, and L is not even in our UMS online coaching group where we give like, uh, intent, like intense amounts of coaching every day. Uh, she's just, um, bought a standalone offer um, for that foundations program, but still, uh, she's you know it's important that she touches base and connects, and it's brilliant that she's asked this question because you know she could have diverted back into sort of old habits, uh, you know, and and um, and really stifled her her progress and yeah. what she's going to get out of that program. Yeah, know? yeah, for sure. Look, I um, it, it 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 still amazes me to think like when people often people will. Um, they'll say, they'll ask you for advice, but then when it comes to saying, listen, you really need to follow a good program, and they'll say, no, 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 I'm, you know, I'm good, and, and, and I, you know, I get enough advice from YouTube and from things like that, and and I, I still to this day just find that so amazing, and I, and I don't know why I am so keen to work with good coaches. Maybe it's because I started when I was at a young age, but I had a coach from the age of 17 to 30, a martial arts coach. And I went through a couple before I got to my uh, coach that I stayed with for well over a decade because I would work with one and I'd go through six months and, and maybe even it was just that I wasn't ready to just settle on the first one I got. I thought I'm gonna try a couple of different ones. But um, I know the value of having a good coach so much and, and I just think it's so funny to think that people still to this day, like in this day and age when we've got such good access to online coaching and things like that that you would think no I'm, I'm just going to do it on my own and get a great result and, and if it's a financial reason fair enough you know get what you can out of the free content that you can and do the best you can do but yeah if you god if I had of um, I mean if I had of listened to you when I should have knowing that you knew more than me about building muscle and traditional strength training I wouldn't have had this injury you know but yeah. I thought I could do it better I thought I could reinvent the wheel and, and um, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I wish that I knew what I know now, right? And, and hopefully anybody that's watching 
uh, watching this replay or listening to it on the podcast, uh, hopefully it's making you think about it because, yeah, this the, the going back to the, the topic of the week, you know, it's, it's all about training psychology. And, and the psychology that we're talking about here is, you know, do the things that don't seem to fit into your exact goals, but do them because the coaches that you believe in are telling you you need to do it. Yeah, like 100%. it's really, really important. Hundred yeah. percent, and uh, you know, training psychology is such. It's it. You, 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 everyone will get to a point in their journey where training psychology becomes the revolution. It becomes the breakthrough moment, because we all usually what what um you know it's funny. It's the same in building a business. Often the people that found the company are not the best people to scale the company. And often the, the psychology that gets you to join a gym or start exercising is not the best psychology that is going to get you to finish your goals and, and achieve everything that you want to achieve. Yeah. You know, we usually get motivated very much by aesthetically driven goals in the beginning, uh, but they or, or really poor health, really ill health, you know, but they don't usually get us to a point where we're going to achieve really good health or really good skill or really good strength or athletic performance you know at, at some point your psychology has to make a paradigm shift and um and it's just really important that you you evaluate that constantly and uh and make sure that you are uh, uh yeah again making decisions based on intellect and not ego um Shout yeah, out to Lee sure. Clements here saying, have been doing left glute hamstring strengthening with osteo. Surprisingly, I feel great after a good deadlift session yesterday. Left side has no pain. I'm um, surmising that my form was fine. Had been told not to deadlift. Haha, <laughs> form is vital. Great work, Lee. Great awareness. Uh, that's all we've got time for today, Tribe. We're bringing this in for a landing. I want to do one more big reminder that this Friday is one of two times this year that you will be able to jump into our online coaching group for a lifetime discount, 50% off the regular monthly subscription. Mm -hmm. It is an incredible program. It's an incredible tribe of people, more importantly, all working collectively and collaboratively to on a, on a similar journey for, to achieve similar goals. And uh, if you're part of that group, if you're part of the UMS Online Coaching Group, jump over to UMS Online Coaching Facebook page. We're about to go live for your daily group coaching call. I've seen we've got lots of great videos to analyze and, uh, and give feedback on. And um, other than that, yeah, we're going to bring this series, uh, a training psychology series in for a landing tomorrow. We're going to talk about... You know, what led us to create our training split? What led us to create our um, mesocycles, macrocycles, microcycles, and, and why it now produces such incredible results for our tribe, uh, both in the gym here and online all around the world. Morning, Craig Jenkins. All right, guys, smash the like button if you liked the show. Uh, smash the like button if you appreciate Rad sharing his failures <laughs> in the public forum and the lessons he learned from that. I've become a master at failing. Yeah, you should. You know, you, you, you never, you never really, uh, never really fail. You either win or you learn, right? But I'm a master at failing anyway. So. <laughs> All right. <everybody laughs> See you later, everyone. See you tomorrow. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, 
It's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that it's far. It's the consistency and frequency that's gonna get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.